Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have Episode 5 of The Roadrunner Cafe by Jamie Zernt. Easy has decided to adopt Dina and Norwood as stand-in parental figures. Dina has money on a very unconventional contest. Here we go. Dean is sitting on the softball bleachers with Easy, waiting for the intestines of the world's slowest bovine to digest yet another mouthful of grass. It's day four of the cattleman days, and she has her money down on the cow, Rocket, and also a little side bet with herself. If she wins, she'll give Norwood an ultimatum tonight. Give her a baby or get gone. You see that girl over there? Easy says and spits between the slats of the bleachers. The one with the brown hair? Easy nods, gnaws at a fingernail. He's hung over. Again. He'll probably chew on his fingers until a beer occupies his hand. Is she nice? Dina asks, more just to fill the silence than out of any real curiosity. Nice? Yeah, she's nice. Did you sleep with her? Easy shakes his head. She just got out of high school. What square you got again? 34, Dina says, and watches as Rocket gums away at the grass on 47. You can tell, you know, Easy says. Tell what? When they're going to unload. How? They make faces, like babies do. Dina figures Easy knows about as much about babies and cows as he does about sobriety. Even so, she finds herself watching Rocket's face for any signs of constipation, even though she does actually know a little something about cows. What she doesn't know about are babies. She hasn't had a clue, which was something she never used to think, let alone care about. Babies were for people who had empty lives, people who didn't know what to do with themselves. And Dina never had much time to worry about that, seeing as she was always working. But then, one day, there it was. First it was just the word, baby. It set out a lawn chair along the sidelines of her brain somewhere, content at first to just watch the usual parade of thoughts passing by. But over time, it slowly ceased to be just a word. It became a feeling. A longing for a person she'd never met, but suddenly couldn't wait to. It was sort of like what others call finding religion. Only Dina was finding baby. She watches as a couple of ranchers squat alongside the fence and air poop, which only succeeds in adding about 10 pounds of dignity to the cow. Across the field, Norwood's truck pulls up. Your boyfriend's here, Easy says, a finger still in his mouth. Dina tries to wave to Norwood as he crosses the parking lot, but he doesn't so much as nod his head. She understands there's nothing malicious in it. It just wouldn't be Norwoodly to do so. She watches as he stops and says hello to the people on his way over. And by the time he finally does take a seat beside her, Dina feels like she often does. Proud. You got money on this? He asks her, giving her a quick kiss on the cheek. Yep, Dina says. Whopping ten bucks. Which square? Thirty-four. Sorry, 
he says, shaking his head sadly. Gonna be in the low fifties, at least. Before Dina can tell him to shut up, an announcement comes squawking out of the home plate loudspeaker. Folks, it shouldn't be much longer now. Old Rocket here is quickly approaching the longest time ever recorded for, well, for not pooping. While they wait, Norwood and Easy toss pebbles into a decapitated Coke can. Dina never would have pegged the two of them for friends, but ever since that night at the bar, they've been inseparable. Easy claims he's never hit anybody with a pint glass before, said something about being upset over losing his job, that it just sort of happened. All Dina really knows about Easy is that he's young, from Illinois somewhere, and that if she ever has a pet coyote, Easy's not allowed to go near it. It began with him and Norwood, just hanging out at the Alamo. But the next thing Dina knew, Easy started showing up at their house in the mornings to work with Norwood. Norwood had plenty of friends, but there was something different about this. It was almost like Norwood was a father figure to the kid. Not that Dina would ever say a word about it. God forbid she mentioned anything sweet and sentimental like that. Besides, she likes seeing him with Easy. It gives her a sort of window into what things might be like with Norwood someday. And she liked looking through that window. The pebble game ends with Norwood nudging Easy and Easy toppling over. Winner, Norwood. After that, they go back to watching Rocket do nothing, and it isn't long before the crowd starts heckling the poor cow. Rocket out your ass, you lazy bitch. Toss some x in there. At some point, Easy leaves to get a beer. When he returns 30 minutes later, Norwood and Dina just stare at him. What? Easy says. First one went down too fast. Right, Norwood says. And Rocket here won't end up in somebody's freezer. Dina's starting to regret the bet she made with herself. She makes them all the time, but it's usually over silly stuff. If the light changes before that lady reaches the sidewalk, I'll call my mom tonight. If the phone rings in the next 20 minutes, I'll order a pizza. But a baby wasn't a pizza. Isn't that your number? Norwood asks, bringing her back. Sure enough, cows parked right on number 34. So Dina goes and sits by the fence, starts whispering to Rocket. Come on, baby. It was a good cow. That's right. Rocket's a good cow. Then, when Rocket just flicks her ears like she's in no hurry to do anybody any favors, under her breath she adds, Now you listen to me. A wonderful little baby might be riding on this. So drop a deuce already. The noise is coming from somewhere behind Dina. The bleachers, maybe. But it takes a minute for Dina's mind to catch up with her ears. Then she realizes what it is. Somebody's lit off a pack of firecrackers. When Dina looks over at Norwood, she can tell he's thinking the exact same thing she is. Easy. Look, Norwood says, a big grin on his face as he nods toward the field. Right there on Dina's square, there's now a steaming pile of cow patty. We have ourselves a winner, folks. Square 34. Square 34. 
Shortly after the announcement, somebody in a cowboy hat runs out onto the field and plants a checkered flag in the droppings. That'll do her, ladies and gentlemen. The winner can claim their prize at the concession stand. Dina can't help laughing, or honk, as Norwood likes to call it. When she really gets going, it can sound a little like a goose honking. Or maybe a lot like a goose honking. After Dina collects her winnings, a not untidy sum, she and Norwood head down to the Alamo, where they find Easy already cozied up to the bar with the beer. Guess who the drinks are on tonight, he says, pulling an empty black cat's wrapper from his pocket. I've had these things in my jacket since the 4th. Guess I was just waiting for the right occasion. What Dina doesn't get is why Easy didn't tell them. When she asks, Easy says they would have tried to talk him out of it, that she and Norwood were never any fun. Dina can't really argue with that. Cow Patty Bingo, in all likelihood, will probably end up being the highlight of her month. So to make the most of it, Dina ends up buying round after round for anybody interested in congratulating her, including the girl Easy and Norwood are shooting pool with, who looks to be about 14. She's the one Easy pointed out earlier, the one just out of high school, which makes sense seeing as the Alamo will serve just about anybody. Dina's never seen Norwood take a drink of anything alcoholic. Sometimes she wonders what drunk Norwood would be like. Silly, maybe, like a tipsy grizzly bear. But Dina knows all too well that the good part of being drunk never lasts long. Soon enough, people turn mean on you. No, it's a good thing Norwood showed up on her doorstep sober after all the years he spent drinking and doing God knows what. And if he's going to be a father, then sober was pretty much a mandatory thing. She already knows firsthand what it's like to grow up with a drunk. One of her earliest memories is of seeing her father, naked, riding a Mustang through their backyard. It was only the early afternoon, yet he was hooting and hollering to high hell. Now that Dina thinks about it, he could have been goofing, playing the wild Indian. God knows he did it often enough. And usually, whenever he could maximize Dina's embarrassment, like, say, when a prom date came to pick her up. Dina looks over at Easy, hugging the bar, his thumb casually nestled in the girl's back pocket. He likes her. That much is obvious. Not like some of those other guys who tend to look around the bar like they're hoping something better might come along. Dina's been with those types of guys before. Norwood wasn't like that, though. He puts his arm around you. You feel like the rest of the world's dropped off a cliff. The remainder of the night goes by in a blur for Dina. People coming and going from her table, congratulating her and mooching free drinks. Before she knows it, she's drunk too much and she and Norwood are outside the bar. Norwood coaxing her toward his truck. But I won, she says, her voice more pouty than she'd care to admit. I get a baby. You won, Norwood says, ignoring the second part entirely. And now you're going home. When Dina doesn't budge, she hears Norwood say a word she's rarely heard him say. Please. The air in Norwood's truck feels stale, even with the windows cracked. 
Dina has her fingers curled around the door handle, trying to get the nerve up to tell Norwood about the bet she made with herself. But before she can get the words in the right order, line them up so they'll make some kind of sense, Easy walks up and squishes his face against the window. Where's the party at? He says, his words all lubed up. Where's your girl? Dina says through the crack. Easy grins. Georgie? Georgie's nobody's girl. Dina likes that. She wonders if she's never been nobody's girl. She's always been somebody's girl. Her daddy's little girl first. Then there was always a boyfriend of one sort or another. Dina slaps the glass with her hand and Easy pulls away, mugging it up like she's hurt him before disappearing back into the bar. I won. Dina mumbles again and leans her head on Norwood's shoulder. Yup, he says, and plops his big paw down on the shifter. And now you're going Betty by. I'm not a kid. I don't need you to, she starts to say, but her voice trails off once the truck rattles to life. It'll be a miracle if she doesn't puke. She looks up at Norwood as he puts the truck in gear, and what she really wants to do is bite him. Not break the skin or anything, just a little nibble would be good. She gets these kind of urges from time to time when she's around him, especially when she's drunk which explains why she doesn't drink all that often around Norwood. She eyes his forearms, pictures herself sinking her teeth into them. Dina, Norwood says. Yes, she says, lifting her head a bit. Can I have my shoulder back? She laughs, honks, says. Sorry, was I doing it again? Chewing? Yes. Somehow, Dina manages to make it home and into bed without throwing up all over Norwood's truck or seriously damaging any of his body parts. As they burrow under the blankets, Dina asks if Norwood thinks Rocket is somebody's mama. Dina? Norwood, she says back, trying to sound just as stern, just as fatherly. Well, do you? I suppose so. Why? Dina turns her back to him, her face burning, her throat closing up on her. She can feel Norwood rubbing his hand back and forth along her hip, like he's soothing a sick animal. He loves her. Dina's certain of that much. I'm almost 40, Norwood. I know. That's old. Maybe. I want to say something, but I want you to know first that I'm not drunk anymore. Oh, just a few minutes ago, you told me a story about your dad and how a shotgun once peered into his tent while he was camping, and he shot it with a black bear. I want to have a baby. I know you do, Dina. I want to have a baby with you. Norwood pulls his hand away, lies back in the bed. The silence. The silence is going to make Dina vomit. She starts to get out of bed but Norwood places his hand on her, eases her back. You told me a story about your dad. Now I'm going to tell you one about mine. Dina waits. Norwood was never one to do anything in a hurry. Even his cigarettes seemed to burn slower than everybody else's. My dad, 
never talked much about the war. But there was this one time after I'd graduated from high school. I was in love with some girl and thinking about starting a family. I told him what I was planning to do, and you know what he said? He said having kids was a lot like going to war. He said a person could read about it, hear about it, prepare themselves for it any way they liked, but there was no way to really understand it until they'd actually gone through it. But he also told me that I would probably never know true happiness or true misery until I did have kids. Dina has to remind herself to breathe. The last part sounded hopeful. At least she thinks so. So is that why you've never had kids? No, Norwood says, pushing up beside her. I just hadn't met their mother yet. Dina smiles in the dark. She kisses his neck, tastes the salt on his skin. The urge to bite returns. I want to go to war, she whispers and closes her eyes, hoping he won't say a thing more. And there you have it. Don't forget to join me on Wednesday for Episode 5 of The Roadrunner Cafe by Jamie Zernt. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media.